Uh, this is a great article on Screen Rant. Ten, question, ten questions Apple needs to answer before releasing its Vision Pro headset. And since most of us are now obsessed with this Vision Pro headset, this is very interesting stuff. Uh, you know, I recommend reading the article in detail because it, it, it provides a lot of context for this stuff. Um, what will Apple Care and Apple Care Plus look like? You know, that's, that's a great question. Uh, is it going to be super expensive? Because this thing has the glass across the front of it. And, um, you know, I would be really worried about dropping it and maybe cracking that. I know that they, at one point, supposedly Apple uh, held things back because the headset wasn't passing drop tests internally. And so um, this is, you know, from like Mac rumors or something like that. So um, I would just be afraid of, of, I would treat it like a piece of jewelry or something like Dom treats her, um, her Quest Pro. And yeah, not, not, not really treat it as uh, something that you want to use, but uh, just to show off, right? Yeah. Like when you open the box, you can create a video and post on social media yeah. and a lot of likes and done. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. And put it forever, and next time when there's another one, you you buy it. That's, I mean, I can tell you for Quest Pro, I have the same feeling. I I keep using Quest Two and put my uh, Quest Pro in the jewelry uh, jewelry box, you know, uh -huh. like that box until, um, like people said that it seems like the resolution is better, and also uh, the face has some interactions. I wanna try it, so I start using it. But uh, I still think that Quest 2 is lighter. If the resolution yeah. is better, then I probably will stay with Quest 2. It's just the head-mounted head device is too heavy. And uh, what if, for example, if you play a game and too violent and same as Quest Pro, it's in front of its glass. It's so cool. When I went to WeWork, I put on the desk and people just like, wow, it's cool. Oh. You know, every time when people walk by and People just look at my device and think oh, I'm a cool girl. But uh -huh. but the, other than you're that, the cool girl at WeWork. Yes, yes. I I think I think I'm the cool weird girl and always <laughs> trying not to talk to anybody and hide in a corner and trying to uh -huh. do some weird things and do some weird gestures, such something like a cult, right? I think you're crazy. <laughs> it's like talk to myself, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, Create a lot of weird shows that, you know, keep look at cameras and talk to myself. That's kind of, I think people think about me, like living in my own world, like delusive. Some some people and, you know, like um, having that weird headset and always pointed to the sky and very happy, you know, that type of weird, weird person. Well, I think Apple Care for three years with the Mac Studio is like 150 bucks or something. So it's very inexpensive mm -hmm. for that. You know, is this going to be five hundred dollars? I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Interesting question. Um, how much does it weigh? Nobody has said. Oh, by the way, on your Quest Pro, do you have a strap that goes from the front to the back, or is it just side to side, or what? You're you've you've muted. I think there's you've muted yourself, Dominic. Let me take my Quest Pro. I totally forgot. <laughs>
So there's no strap that goes from the front to the back. Okay. Yeah, I've I've heard people say that um you know they yeah. in, in the videos that Apple has shown of the Vision Pro, mm -hmm. uh, they've got in some of the clips they've got a strap that goes over the top from side mm -hmm. to side. But one person was saying that they thought uh, you might get better stress release if there was a strap that went from the front to the back mm -hmm. along the top. And maybe there's a um, a third-party vendor that's going to come out with that. I thought that's mm -hmm. an interesting question. Um, yeah. well, do, do, do you like the design? Do you like the design? I don't know. What, what do you think about it? The, the product? I, you know, I, I like it. I think one of mm -hmm. the things that people keep thinking is that it's it's like transparent because you see someone's eyes. Yeah, it looks very uh, no. like a frog or something, a fish it's, or something. Yeah, it's not transparent. There's um it's a fake doodling eyes, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> they've got a what's called a lenticular display on the front, was which is actually a 3D display. And oh my goodness. Uh, so yeah. it looks different from the front than it does from the side. And so it gives you the appearance that it looks transparent, but it's not transparent at all. There's circuit boards and chips in there and all kinds of stuff. Um but so we'll pretty much replace with doodling eyes. It's the same thing. It's just yeah. I've I've read that uh it it will now maybe this is wrong, maybe this was in the rumors, I don't recall, but I've read that it should work with the uh Apple earbuds. And so it, you know if you're on a plane or something, that would be helpful because it would give you some um sound cancellation and so forth because you know planes are so noisy um, oh yeah that that thing yeah i mean um the interesting thing about we work is that every time when you have a room you have to you you need to buy the credit and i have five credit and i only use it when i have to so yeah. and one room is 1.5 so if i book half an hour for one room or one hour, it's three credits. So that's uh -huh. why it's just very precious to to use it. So sometimes if I have to record, it's the last day, last minute, and yeah, I have to go to the the the, 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 room the war, war zone. Yeah, <laughs> because nobody is using it. <laughs> uh, um, what controllers will Apple Vision support? I I remember in the video they showed it. Uh, showed someone using like a. Um, I don't know, like a PlayStation controller or something like that. So I think it will support the other game controllers, um, at least some of them. Um, what are the R1 specs, the uh, signal processing chip? That's an interesting question. I think it processes the data from 12 sensors or something like that. Um, what will its storage RAM options be? This is something that I'm very interested in. Uh, it sounded like they said, you know, it starts at $34.99. It sounds like that means there's going to be different storage options. And um, I hope there's some kind of storage, you know, on the device to save models and so forth. Uh, we'll have to find out because you don't want to be hitting the cloud all the time, um, you know, when you're bringing in models. Um, yeah. Uh, it sounds like it will recognize you based on the pattern in your the iris of your eyes one of the things that i've thought about many times i'm a photographer i do uh, a lot of studio photography oh. and 
So I if should... you take somebody's eyes, maybe this can, you know, every time well, you, you can you know, steal the, the, the device and put the eye and check out. Yeah, check out. I don't think <laughs> it would be complicated to use to fake someone's eyes with the headset. But um, in general, these eye recognition devices, um, are we going to run into problems when there's when people have high resolution photographs of, of themselves out there? Uh, and 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 somebody picks up their their iris. Uh, it's what can I we can we pixelate our eyes when we take a high res photo? Oh, you'll get the de yeah. I've got incredible details. Uh, but 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 you you know maybe in the future if eye scanning becomes private, like related to privacy, maybe yeah. you know every photos of your eyes will default to pixelate. <laughs> Oh, to, to, to sort of just put it out. Doodling eyes. Well, I think you get it mainly if you're using high-resolution cameras. If you're shooting someone in 8K, for oh. example, you're going to get a lot of that information. Hmm. Uh, how much do those corrective lenses cost? It's going to, it's got to be hundreds of dollars. I'm just hmm. hoping that I can get by without it. Um, hmm. An interesting thing is a lot of these headsets have a focus distance of something like nine feet, 19 feet. What is it? Do you know what it is for the Vision Pro? Uh, you mean the 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 F well, what's that? Far, when you're when you're when you got the headset on, your eyes by default think that oh field of view, right? Field of view. Ah. Well not the field of view, but the, the distance, the focus distance. Do you oh, feel that it's like things look like they're five feet away? Uh or or do you have any feeling for that at all? Um, did, I, I haven't tried Vision Pro as far as I know. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean for oh, the Quest for Pro. Quest Pro. Oh, Quest Pro is a very interesting device. Um, I can tell you sometimes I see everything blurry. Really? And that I, I can tell you that that might be because of my face structure. Okay. I think that that device is tellers who fit a uh, bigger nose. So you can, you know, there's a bridge for, for Vision Pro to, to put it better. I don't know, for some reason, when I see things, somehow it's not perfectly uh, aligned or sometimes when I do like, like see things, maybe it's because of Wi-Fi or something, it's latency. I wouldn't say the experience for Quest Pro is as it, I would say it's kind of a little better than uh, Quest 2, but it won't make me feel amazed. Because I remember first time when I opened the box and I try it, first, it's too heavy. Yeah. Second, sometimes when you put it, the, 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 the glass will sometimes touch to your eyelid. So oh, I really? have to adjust because it's very, very close. Boy, that's claustrophobic, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, I still. I, I would yeah. think that would induce claustrophobia in some people. I, I know mm. I don't feel like I have claustrophobia, mm. but uh, I've gone. I don't know if you've ever done this before. Have you ever gone caving? Oh, like being being underground through narrow passages and crawling through things. Oh, just 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 just. Oh, I know some people like for Americans way of teaching is that for kids, if they 
they don't listen to people's or grow ups, you know, uh, follow the order and they will be caged in a super no, small no, narrow room. Not cage. Ca uh, caving. There's oh, a caving. Uh, I've been to parks and so forth where you go through caves. And one of the things that they offered was um, uh, a tour through caves where you like crawl on your stomach, where it's just openings this big and stuff like that. And I'm just, mm. I'm sort of concerned that if I get into a position like that, there will be a minor earthquake or something and just squash me like a bug. But oh, uh, but I think that's that, uh, everyone's concern, right? Well, I don't feel that I'm claustrophobic, but uh, they had a thing on display there where you could stick your head in mm. this sort of small hole to see if you were claustrophobic. And boy, I didn't, oh. but I stuck my head in there and I thought, whoa, this is uncomfortable. So I imagine if the the, the headset mm. is actually mm. touching your eyelashes or something, mm. that would probably set that off. But but anyways, what my, my main point though was um, when you put the headset on, there's a certain focus distance that it appears to be at uh, mm. by default. And um, I wear magnifiers uh, for if I'm looking at things up close, sometimes I need them. Sometimes I don't. My oh. eyes fluctuate a little bit, but I I don't need it for something that's further away, like four mm -hmm. or five feet away. I don't need them at all. So mm -hmm. I'm just wondering if that will save me from having to get the prescription uh, lens insets, which I assume are going to cost hundreds of dollars. Um, my wife, on the other hand, she will definitely need some kind of insets if she were to use something like this. So um you know, I don't want to pay for insets twice, but uh, anyways, it's an interesting question how much they're going to be um, outside the U.S. Initially, it's going to be available just in the U.S., I believe. Um, can you impersonate people? I hope not. So so anyways, uh, this, they go into a lot of detail into these things. It's a very interesting article. Mm. And so I, I recommend it. Um, but there's going to be some additional costs. You're you're going to want to get, in addition to the $34.99, you're going to want to get the um, the Apple Care because you need some insurance for something like this. Uh, there's Apple Care Plus, which uh, that provides some additional protection, like external damage. Uh, maybe some, I think one of the plans protects against theft and things like that. So how much is that going to cost? Um, you're going to have tax, sales tax on this uh and um perhaps the cost of the lenses as well so that that may add uh, significant cost everything um now this is something we, uh dominique and i had talked about this sort of offline yesterday um this is an interesting article um it's opendatascience.com and they're talking about uh new large language models that are coming out and to sort of keep an eye on it. So it's sort of an interesting article. And I thought some of the models were very interesting. Um, and, and we talked about this one. Meta introduces VoiceBox, a new AI for speech generation. And what this does is it takes uh, a soundtrack that's got speech in it and it cleans it up. And uh, so if you've got dogs barking in the background or whatever, it removes all that noise. And you just hear the speech like nothing had happened at all. Like, you know, nothing. Like, like yesterday, I can totally take out the air condition. Yes, yes. <laughs> the broken one. Yeah. So I'll play the clip from this. 
Okay. Uh, so this is from Meta, and um, uh, so it's a sort of a promotional clip from them. So I don't think. Olá, todos. This is VoiceBox, a new AI foundation model for speech that does some pretty awesome things. If you give it text, it can read it in a bunch of different styles. Penelope Porcupine and Sammy Sloth danced gracefully in the treetops. Penelope Porcupine and Sammy Sloth danced gracefully in the treetops. And you can use it to fix background noise too, kind of like an eraser, but for audio. Sammy and Penelope's heartwarming friendship inspires joy. Sammy and Penelope's heartwarming friendship inspires joy. We think this is probably the most versatile speech generative model out there. This is still a research project, but I think that we're going to be able to build a lot of interesting things with tools like this. Good sevense. So maybe it, it, it's it's for me. It's for you. <laughs> yeah, and I can I can occupy that that wall, you know, that that zoom that 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 room forever because nobody is using it. Nobody I wants to be there. because of the air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, and I can be there. <laughs> there you go. Maybe you can get on the beta of this and try it out <laughs> and see if it removes that air conditioning noise. Yeah, and actually that wall zoom the 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 room is really big. Everything is really nice. It's, oh, it's an nice amazing room. room. Yeah. Except for that noise. Yeah. So nobody is using it, and I feel like if you can, you know, if I can even record uh, my tutorials there, and it will remove it. I don't mind. You know, that can be my free office. <laughs> well, and you've got we've we've now found out that you've got the narrow width of sound pattern versus the wide sound pattern on your microphone there's a switch for that so maybe oh yeah out. yeah i think i can definitely test things out but it's very interesting to 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 see that yeah i would really wish i can use a lot of you know the the new technology but now it seems like everything is on beta so yeah maybe you can get in on the beta for that <clears throat> um let me post uh hmm. Where's my chat? Oh, okay. Hang on. I'll post. I'll post that link in the chat for you. Okay. Big link. Okay. Um, Microsoft has a large language model specializing in Python Python coding tasks. I know a lot of people are mm. interested in Python nowadays. I went to a talk uh, yesterday, um, or no, a couple days ago, about uh, using ChatGPT for uh, some programming stuff. And I, I said, you know, I assume that if I'm doing proprietary things, I don't want to query the large language model uh, with, you know, things that I'm typing in that are proprietary. And they said, oh, oh, oh yeah, by the way, no, you shouldn't do that. And so this is, you know, this has become a big deal. And um, uh, people are worried about this. In fact, let me jump to an article that I was going to show later. Uh, generative AI apps and chat GPT, potential risks and mitigation strategies. So this is from the Hacker News, which has become one of my favorite uh, websites now. And um, they talk about exactly this. You know, if you're running IT at a big company or something, you have to worry about 
the employees doing this kind of thing. And often it's sort of glossed over. Oh, yeah, you, by the way, you shouldn't type in proprietary information into these chatbots. And I think this is really going to drive a movement towards bringing uh, large language models in-house so that employees can use them without worrying about leaking uh, company private data. So let's say you're developing, you know, this is would be a typical example. Let's say you're developing new technologies and um, you're using uh, ChatGPT to help you do your coding and so forth to speed things up. Well, this could be a problem uh, because even if you tell ChatGPT not to train on your data, as we found out in previous weeks, I think I've covered that, um, your, your information is still going to the ChatGPT servers. And I went to a seminar just the other day on software that monitors large language models. Let's say you're developing a large language model. Well, you definitely would want to monitor the performance of that model in the field to see if things are going well, if there's problems and so forth. And uh, that monitoring software will show you exactly what people have been typing into the chat box. So even if you're not training on that data, you still have employees of the chatbots organization uh, monitoring the chats. In fact, with the software that's provided for monitoring, they can search for particular topics in the chats and all kinds of stuff. And so it's sort of a goldmine for them if they're interested in what people are chatting about. So it lends to a lot of issues. Uh, in fact, Google has told its employees not to enter any proprietary data into ChatGPT and not to enter proprietary data into its own barred chatbot. So they're afraid about their own employees entering proprietary data into their own chatbot. So that raises all kinds of red flags. And uh, so this is a big deal. I think it's really gonna want to encourage uh, enterprises to run their own chatbots. And these large language models are not that large in terms of storage. So I think, you know, we're talking about tens of uh, gigabytes. You know, even if it was a few terabytes, that's no big deal. You know, you can buy a, a terabyte, uh, an 18 terabyte Argus, for example, for uh, you know, a few hundred bucks. So I don't think the storage requirements are that big of a deal and you could dedicate a server to this kind of stuff. So um, so anyways, that's something we're going to see more, more and more about. And uh, sort of related to that is uh, something called Truthometer. I, I went to this talk the other day. It's uh, put on by the San Francisco Bay ACM uh, which stands for Association of Computing Machinery. It's a professional organization. And um, this Truthometer is a system developed by Boris Galitsky uh, that takes chatbot results and it scans through them to see. So let's say you're doing a chatbot session. This Truthometer, which is open source, you can you know, check out the code and run it on your own system. And it will take the chatbot result that you just got and it will attempt to verify it to see if the results are, 
if the if if the results are bad, you know they 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 contain uh, bad or untruthful information, or if the results appear to be correct, if they appear to be truthful. So we've talked about this many times. You need some kind of mechanism to tell whether the these results that you're getting are a bunch of baloney or not. And so this goes and tries to do that. And the way that it does it is it tries to go out and check the web to see if there's any websites that confirm the information. Now there's different sort of different categories of results. Uh, one category could be uh, if someone is just expressing their opinion. So, you know, that's not necessarily truthful or untruthful, it's just someone's opinion. And so that's sort of one category of results. Uh, another category, if something is supposedly a fact, uh, then, you know, it can either be true or false. And so this tries to establish whether something is a, a truthful or not. Um, but its standard of truth is, well, we found it on a website. And so, as you know, there can be a bunch of baloney on websites. So that's not necessary, not necessarily a good standard. Um, it will try to do some deductions. And this was very interesting. So I, I think you probably want to read, watch this talk. It will actually try to make logical deductions on the information that you're provided in the chat. I think this is going to be a huge area to do with chatbots where you try to sort of, in a sense, use common sense to figure out whether something is true or not. Now, this is the big missing piece in these chatbots, I think, is the chatbots have no common sense. So if you, as a human being, read a news article that says, oh, you know, we believe that such and such is the case, you sort of contrast that with your past experiences and what you know to be true or what you feel to be true. And you make deductions and you say, well, because of such and such and such and such and such and such, I don't think this article is really true. And um, so you're able to make deductions and figure out whether something is true. And if you think it's true, then you sort of mentally add that to your knowledge base in your brain. And if you think it's false, then you just discard it. You say, no, this is not certainly not true. And I'm not going to pay any attention to this. And so um, in that way, you sort of build up this model in your brain of the world. And um, I think that's going to be the next stage in these large language models. In fact, they're probably not going to be called just large language any models anymore because of this added layer of deduction of common sense that's gonna be added to them. So anyways, what he's talking about, one of the things that he's talking about in his discussion is how to start to add that to the large language models. And I think that's fascinating. I think that's gonna be the next step in this over the next three to five years. I think this is gonna sort of take over uh, the large language models. So it's, a, it's just a fascinating talk. And like I said, this is open source uh, code, you can uh, check it out, you can run it on your own server, you can change it, you can try different things, you can contribute to it. So um, this is just a wonderful thing. So um, 
so anyways, I, I highly recommend this talk. And, oh, in fact, I asked a question during the talk and uh, th that he addressed. And his answer was very interesting. My question was, let's say that you monitored a bunch of chats and you ran the truth meter on them and determined whether the the information was truthful or not. And what it does is it if the information is not truthful, it tries to come up with a response that is truthful. And so I said, I asked, what if you took all of the corrected chat information that you come up with using the truth meter and you trained a large language model on just that information instead of training it on all this arbitrary information that that may have all kinds of errors in it? And would that new large language model um, when you query it, produce more truthful information overall than these other models. And he said that he didn't think so. Uh, he said that part of the problem with hallucinations, it's an artifact of the way large language models are built, the way that they work. And he said that there are a lot of deep learning researchers who might disagree with him on this. But he thought that it would not produce an improved result. So I think that's a fascinating area. Um, and I think it's something where uh, if you were to run his response to the truth or meter, maybe it would say, well, maybe that's not correct. Maybe it would produce more truthful information. And so that's to me, is a fascinating area. And certainly the people at OpenAI, for example, would have exactly the facilities in place to test out something like this. In fact, he thought that for ChatGPT4, uh, OpenAI is probably using something like his truthometer to try to improve the responses of their chatbot. So um, this is just a fascinating thing. And I think it merits a lot of uh, additional research. Um, uh, I just uh, find out, I, I was trying to find truthometer website, but, uh... I found this one is a very interesting um, site, um, very similar to it, but I think it's it's fun. Uh, if you click the, the 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 URL, same thing, but it's more political. So it well has the 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 learning. If you click that one, <laughs> well, I don't have. Let's see, it's in it's in the chat. Let me go to the chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is very similar uh, to what you are presenting, but I find out this one is. Is is interesting. It's like, for example, like um, uh, for a different po politician, and uh, they are using large language model to kind of validate their sentences or what they say, and they give them scores and see. If that's, if... <laughs> that's like, okay, it's taking a long time. Politifact. So. Uh... <laughs> If you scroll down, I just accidentally file this site. If you scroll That's down, interesting. yeah, I don't. It doesn't appear that he filed for a, a trademark on Truthometer. Uh. So um, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> Donald Trump. And if you see, scroll down, and I was yeah. laughing. <laughs> it's like it totally falls, right? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, well, there's a trademark issue right there. There's some intellectual property. That we've uncovered right there intellectual <laughs> property issue 
Yeah, so I think this is great. So you can kind of see if if we can have this types of you know meter, right? Yeah. If someone say something and it goes like false, like build it into your TV set so that yeah, when yeah, it's yeah. listening to what people are saying, it's like, <laughs> oh, that's baloney, you know, or that that's probably true. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good. This is a whole new industry that can open. <laughs> I, I I do think this one can totally. Yeah, this one is kind of humor and uh, uh, technology and people needs. So I I do see the the big data play this and have a lot yeah. of entertaining. I think we've just started something here. I think <laughs> there's going to be developers watching this video and saying, "Okay, I'm putting that in a business plan." Yeah, yeah, and maybe selling, you know, a plugin to TV shows or yeah. news or you know, uh, Facebook. There's a little plugin, and every time when you see something and it's say true, false, and give you the score of yeah, of I like that. I like that yeah. idea. Yeah, That's good. Uh, okay. Why Apple Vision Pro's thirty four ninety nine price makes more sense than you think. This is from uh, MSN.com. And um, it's, I guess, affiliated to a, a CNET uh, website article. I, you know, we've talked about this. We had a we had an event yesterday, and we, we were asking someone about this, whether they, what they thought of the Vision Pro, and um, it was one of our participants. And I think, you know, people talk about the price tag, and they say, "Oh, nobody's going to buy this thirty five hundred dollars." I, I think. What's going to happen is there's a lot of people that are interested in this. Um, I would buy it in a heartbeat. Oh, we lost Jacqueline's. The, the bar probably accumulate enough information. Or yeah. It's a free version. So 40, 40 minutes, minutes and we're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, I, I think that what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of demand for this. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe not in terms of millions and millions of units, but um a lot of people want to buy this i would buy it in a heartbeat if it was available mm -hmm. um and i think i think dominique is probably in the same boat especially if they if they do have if the rumor is true about apple allowing you to finance it over 24 months you know zero percent interest financing over 24 months makes it you know between 150 200 a month which is a little bit easier to swallow that i mean you could pay more for an enterprise zoom account than what this headset would cost you, right? And and so um, so anyways, I, I think there will be a lot of demand from developers. I think there will be uh, demand from higher end consumers, um, and you know maybe it won't be as widespread consumer demand because of the price point. But I think this product will serve as the foundation for a lot of future products from Apple. Uh, like, you know, it sounds like from speakers that we've had recently, if you go back and look at the talks, like we had a talk about, I think, how to have a career in VR and so forth, uh, that in, in AWE, I think, indicated this, that the more lightweight glasses that serve for augmented reality purpose, those are becoming very much a reality right now that the technology is available right now. So for like 500 bucks or whatever, you can get a pair of glasses that would have that capability. It's just that 
the software isn't widely available yet. And so I think since that stuff is now available, I think we're going to see those types of products hit the market in short order. And so, for example, I think this headset will be the foundation for those for developing the software and so forth for those types of products, which are going to be arriving next year sometime uh, and, and, you know, by the end of next year. So um, I think this product, the Vision Pro, will serve as the foundation for a lot of products. So I think it's going to make a lot of developers interested in this, interested in getting it so that they can sort of get their foot in the door uh, for further development of these products so that when these lightweight products hit the market, they'll be, they'll hit the ground running. They'll already be ready for that. So um, they'll already have apps for that in the app store or whatever. So I, I think that's uh, it's a very interesting article. And um, I think that's what we're going to see. I think that's what this is all about. So Dominique, did you have some articles? Let me stop sharing. Yeah, I mean, I the, the interesting thing is that we we keep saying that oh, you know, it, Vision Pro is such a good invention, but after viewing this, um, kind of like a, it's called Human. Um, later on, I can play it. It's just thirteen minutes. Hopefully, it's not too long. Uh, for tech talk, and if it is tech talk, I don't know whether we can put off. I don't know. The, I, I don't know if you can play the whole thing really, but um, yeah, but we will try. If not, then not. Maybe just play a few minutes. And so yeah, yeah, more. yeah. Okay, so maybe put uh post a little bit, and I can dive in and just tell you what's this about. Uh, basically, human is kind of using AI assistant, and that AI assistant is pretty much according customized according to your your personalities. So, uh, which says that, for example, Dominic, right? Uh, and my AI assistant knows everything about me and even more than myself. So when I talk to that person, that AI assistant, um, it will give the advice according to my entire situation. For example, if I got diabetes, if I want to eat chocolate, and that AI assistant will say, hey, beware, you cannot eat too much sugar, da 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 But if I insist, it will say, okay, up to you, I know you. Well, you can some eat dark chocolate. You can eat all the dark chocolate. Yeah, yeah. So, so, something that it, it knows you so much, all the data, it's, you know, but it's very <laughs> scary that, that that human becomes so stupid that we need to ask AI for everything. It's a Hopefully. little scary. Hopefully, it will recommend that you eat dark chocolate. Yeah, if it wanna suicide, if it wanna kill me, or somebody put a bug or a virus in, and I will, <laughs> if I I don't have any judgment. Oh I yeah, eat all the chocolate you want. <laughs> yeah, just eat more, eat more, right? Uh, yeah. So so it's very powerful and scary, and also it starts asking. Maybe we don't need more screens because you see Apple. What Apple did is just to put a full 2D screen, two 3D space screens. I mean, it looks beautiful, but do we really need that super heavy computers and do the same thing that 2D that is lightweight, right? Is that unnecessary to put that, you know, very easy to control types of 2D screen to 3D that right in front of your eyes, that types of pressure, and also it's expensive and it's not really intuitive. So it kind of 
uh, talk about maybe we use intuitive way. For example, like, hey, uh, I want to watch TV and TV just show up, right? Instead of I click through all the screens and wear a really heavy headset and trying to communicate, maybe there's an invisible technologies that we can use that beyond screens. So that's why I always think that Elon Musk is two steps or a million steps away from uh, our society because he is so advanced. He do the neuroscience, uh, the neural link, because uh, whatever we see will be images, videos generate inside our, using our brain to generate. If we manipulate our brains, we can hallucinate ourselves and we don't need that asset. The thing that it generates, because light, right? Light, when we see things, is not because our eyes see things. It's because of light goes through our eyeball and generate images inside our brain. So I can we... just see him. I can just see him in an interview going, did you see that dragon that just flew by? You <laughs> yeah, know? you can eat, or or you can just eat like a, some, some certain types of mushroom, right? You can <laughs> eat a headset. So... So I do think that this re let us rethink. Do we really, because I think Apple is uh, finalized or putting the 2D GUI to the top of the level, which people, it's hard to kind of beat it. And everyone is trying to chase the train, right? For example, like everybody right now is doing Vision Pro prototype, right? Yeah. But Maybe we rethink, maybe we don't really need Vision Pro. We need to rethink a way. Maybe there's an invisible technologies that UX designer is not doing pixels, pixels and more and more screens, right? This, the interesting thing about designer is that it was created because there's a need. Before we had a lot of screens, websites to create due to this 2D screen things. But if it is in 3D, there will be more, you know, weird uh, UI thing. And people want to keep the screen because they want to keep the jobs, right? Because US designer feels like, oh, you know, what, what should I do if things become 3D and I am still doing 2D things? And if there's no screens, I will lose my job, right? So should we still keep the same uh, 2D screens or we can do an invisible experiment uh, path and without, you know, getting through all those kind of like, uh, for example, like, oh, every time when you see things, there's a home screen and, you know, the tree structures of hierarchies, maybe things will show up according to what you want, like a neural, uh, like, a, uh, like a large language model, use like a, some, some um, machine learning training. So, we don't need to go through all those traditional ways of opening screens or, you know, we, we got trained and the website app is not natural to, to animals, right? Imagine humans are just a monkey, right? Wear clothes. <laughs> those are not really intuitive, but if we go back to, yeah, go ahead. I, th I think, you know, one of the things with the vision pro is that it basically is, providing you as a developer with everything mm. and you can use certain aspects of it or mm. not use them. Yeah. And uh, so it's sort of a test bed 
to try out a whole lot of different ideas hmm. and and, um, and find out what what is the minimal set of things that you need and and you know what what is what are the things that you don't really need so i think mm-hmm. it's it's going to be useful from that standpoint but go ahead yeah okay so let, let, let's see what's this and after seeing this it reminds me of i remember elon musk post uh, a twitter post which is there's nothing and somebody just pretend to drive in the air and he said this is what eventually tesla will be nothing it serves its function, but it's nothing. You cannot see the form of Tesla. <laughs> but it will take you from point A to point B. Let's go back to the first principle, which means that the basic goal, right? The reason why there's GUI is because human wanna talk to machine. And so there is a visual interface and the entire system was developed. But now, if we go back to the first principle, if I want to talk to the machine without use the minimum thing, use the most natural thing. If I think I talk, I feel, and the machine knows, then why should I need a, a screen or endless device? If the environment understand me or if the object understand me. Okay, so it's more sci-fi. Okay, let me play it a little bit. I spent 22 incredible years at Apple helping to design experiences and devices ranging from the Mac to the iPhone and to the Apple Watch. And as the power of compute increased, the size of our computers or our devices decreased. The desktop paved the way for extraordinary interconnectedness, but it was stuck to your desk. The laptop provided portability, but you still had to be sitting down to use it. And the smartphone evolved us into the modern, connected humans we are, providing millions the ability to access the internet from our pockets. And the smartwatch was a window to that phone, a companion device with uh, a whole host of health insights, all shrunk down to your wrist. But what comes next? Some believe AR, VR glasses like these are the answer, but they merely move the screens we already have in our lives today to being just millimeters away from our eyeballs, a further barrier between you and the world. And the future is not on your face. In fact, in 2017, the legendary tech journalist Walt Mossberg wrote in his final column that he felt that soon, one day, technology would become invisible. Disappear, and we agree. Sorry, 
This is my wife. I'm gonna have to get this. Hello. Hey, Bethany. How's it going? Good. Are you a Ted? Yeah, I'm on the red circle right now, actually. Oh, great. Good luck, and don't forget to mention me. <laughs> <laughs> I won't, babe. Thank you. Love you. <laughs> Love you too. Bye. Bye. It's gonna get different in a minute. Um, so my wife, Bethany. <laughs> And our entire company at Humane have been working to answer the question of what comes next. And you may ask yourself, why? Why would anybody do this?、Um, it's because we love building technology that genuinely makes people's lives better. And we believed that artificial intelligence or AI would be the driving force behind the next leap in device design. And there is an incredible amount of stuff that's happening in this space—huge, huge advancements.、Um, and even Bill Gates has said of OpenAI's GPT that、um, it's only the second most revolutionary technology demonstration that he's seen in his entire lifetime. But what do we do with all these incredible developments? And how do we actually harness these to genuinely make our life better? If we get this right, AI will unlock a world of possibility for all of us. And today, I want to share with you what we think is a solution to that end. And it's the first time we're doing so openly. It's a new kind of wearable device, that end platform that's built entirely from the ground up for artificial intelligence, and it's completely standalone. You don't need a smartphone or any other device to pair with it. In fact, I'm wearing one right now, and it interacts with the world the way you interact with the world, hearing what you hear, seeing what you see, while being privacy first and safe, and completely fading into the background of your life. We like to say that the experience is screenless, seamless, and sensing, allowing you to access the power of compute while remaining present in your surroundings, fixing a balance that's felt out of place for some time now. And I can't. I think those are kind of like、uh, the the majority or the the I would say the core of human. So what's the emitter that he's using? Is it on a a ring on his hand or what? Oh no no no! There's a kind of a small sensor. It will hear. It's like a Siri, but it's more AI tellers,、oh. and it knows everything about you. It sees everything because probably there is a front end camera, but you can use voice command. What about the projection?、Command. I、what、think the, the projection, projection is probably from that device. Oh okay. I I still don't know, but、uh, yeah, but it's very likely. How can your hand glow? Yeah, yeah, something's projecting somewhere. Yeah, I think that device. So, so I when when I see that, I feel like wow, we were chasing like oh, you know, device. Then we start from, ah,、uh, phone to glass, and maybe if we, those are not natural, and actually, the the device one people feel uncomfortable about it. So maybe, we are chasing after something. 
that might not even a thing that can sustain. Okay, so let me share with you another. Yeah, I use my LinkedIn post as my, um, okay, as my, as my no no notebook. Okay, I wanna share with you this one. Okay, top ten emerging technologies. We thought emerging technology. We thought AR VR, right? But according to the World Economy Forum, first, flexible batteries, right? Wearable device, healthcare, textiles. So probably clothes or, you know, doing something like Apple Watch, uh, doing health stuff. G uh, generative a uh, AI. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's pretty much something that really helped human. Sustainable aviation fuel yeah this is pretty good because uh airplane is usually emit the majority of car carbon emission uh this one is very interesting so engineering versus to augment human so how can we kind of uh, oh yeah engineering virus to augment human animal and plant health so how how can we kind of helping um um, the world becomes it's better. The, it's, it's the basis for a lot of sci-fi movies where that goes wrong and then destroys and then, it. Turns and then, and then it's zombie or something. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, uh, e Resident Evil is based on this one go wrong, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> um, um, Metaverse for health, uh, mental health. So share virtual space and improve mental health. Maybe this needs to cover your eyes, right? But uh, uh, I would say, you see, there's no such a thing called XR or AR, VR. It's very interesting. Um, maybe spatial comes one, AI comes a little bit, but it's kind of like a really focused on problem solving instead of, hey, there is something that called, you know, AR, VR or something, right? It's interesting because we've probably fall into a race that wow, AR, VR, and everybody's like crazily start working on things. But if you we step back, I find out those actually are the current problem that we need to solve. Yeah, spatial, right? Uh, those like uh, not even spatial computing, omics, uh, mo molecule uh, mapping, maybe design babies, like fix your DNA, something neural, yeah, sustainable computing. AI, yeah, healthcare. Wow, it's interesting. There is no AR VR device. And I think this kind of true. The reason why XR is not rocking is just because of the device putting on your face. And do we really need more screens? Yeah, so it kind of ties back to the previous uh, human that video. Do we really need um, the more screens? Do we really need to cover our eyes? Like Ready Player One, uh, Snowflakes, those are cool, but are, are those our dream life or those are really truly solve our lives? And we can totally detached 
or get rid of the GUI or GUI will be the past. I feel like that might be a forward thinking. Yeah. And designers, if there's no pixels, right? No screens. Yeah, it's interesting that to see how designers will transfer to another level, which is designing probably a way of interact things without even having any visible things to show, invisible technologies. Yeah. I don't know. When you see the prediction, no AR, VR, and everyone is crazy about Vision Pro, it's just very interesting. What do you think? Well, if anybody wants to give me a Vision Pro, I'll take it. But um, anyways, um, I, I think um, as things get more advanced, you know, more and more user interface opportunities will arise. Mm, yeah. And, uh, I, I, I personally, I do agree. There's a saying um, that I put, uh, yeah, I need to put eventual. Okay, so there's a quote from uh, Fuller, to do more and more with less and less until eventually you can do everything with nothing. I do think this quote is kind of summarize the future of, of things. So that's why I was exploring some ways. Maybe we can prototype instead of Vision Pro's screen to screen traditional way of doing things. Maybe we can use chatbot or a voice command <coughs> and things things well, will do as we wish. Well, they you know they do have language recognition uh, and within the ecosphere, you know, the Vision Pro and so forth. So um, I think you'll be able to try out all kinds of things and. Um, I also, I think, you know, we think of the large language models as the be all end all and generative AI as be all end all, but it's just, I think it's just the tip of the iceberg. There's going to be much better stuff that comes out and mm. people are scared about what's out there now. I'm, what's out there now doesn't scare me. What's, what could happen in, you know, five years from now could be a little bit scarier to me, but um, I think once these systems start improving themselves and figuring things out for themselves that gets a little scary but um we're not there yet with those but i i think it's true you want to um i mean the watch is an example of that like he was talking about where uh it becomes less and less obtrusive and uh, uh i find i have an apple watch and i find it to be very useful but it does come with a lot of restrictions. So I think with each new type of user interface, um, there are pluses that it adds, but there are also limitations. And, and so um, with the watch, for example, I can hardly see some of the things written on the watch sometimes. And so um, it becomes more important to be, uh, Siri is trying to talk to me right now through my watch. Here's an example. Yeah, right. Go away, Siri. Yeah, no. sometimes. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. say that that word. It's like a Voldemort, right? If yeah. I say Voldemort, that works, and uh, it will start activating. And since I have two iPhone, old one and new one, 
and I, I have watched and I have my MacBook, right? And I have iPad over there. The entire <laughs> system is active. Yeah. So, so just save all the more <laughs> instead of that as thing. So, so I think with the watch, for example, um, and now Siri. I can't even say that without it. And what out. if some some girl's name call that thing, right? Oh, geez, don't name your kids. <laughs> when 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 the name being called, every Apple device will that will was, echo. That would just be a cruel joke, you know. <laughs> but um. With the watch, you know, you have to have a voice interface mm. because it's almost impossible. Yeah, it's very small. Yeah, it's very small. Um, so, and, and a lot of times I'll ask Siri things and she'll say, oh, I found this on the internet. And I thought, oh, man, just give me the answer. Don't tell me what you found on the internet. Mm. So, um, so anyways, there's limitations to these various types of user interfaces. So I think what we'll find are some types of interfaces are good for certain things. Yeah, right. And we'll end up using them a lot for those things. Mm. Um, like the time. Uh, if you want to know what time it is, the watch is great. Mm. You have to pull your phone out of your pocket to see the time. Mm. That's sort of a pain in the butt. If you can just say, hey, Siri, what time is it? even though your phone might be in your pocket and, and if she's able to answer, then that's, that's great. But um, yeah, there's different, different pluses and minuses for each kind of interface. So what we may end up with hmm. is for different types of tasks, we'll have different types hmm. of uh, interface facilities, different types of devices, hmm. uh, and each will, maybe we're headed towards an era of specialization where hmm. There will be different types of devices that are very specialized for particular tasks, just mm -hmm. like specialized for particular yeah. tasks. The interesting thing is that phone is no longer a phone, which is just phone call, right? Right now we use Zoom for, for all the calls, right? Who who really calls is is that the scheme, right? Or you 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 know your family. Here's an interesting thing. I went to, uh, I belong to a meetup group that's hosted in Hawaii. And it's hosted by a very particular guy who's a photographer. And um, I went to one of his meetups one time. And, uh, you know, I had probably just rolled out of bed five minutes before the meeting or something. And I was not going to go on camera. And um, uh, he said, you know, if you're going to, talk during this meetup i really want you on camera because it's so hard to talk to someone if their face is not there animated in front of you and i thought you know you're 60 years old or whatever how did you get by talking to people on the phone all these years and, and so i i think um certain certain devices are good for certain types of interface and certain functions and so um I think that's that's the way that we're headed. We seem to see more and more of that specialization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe it can be all generated inside your brain and uh, the 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 magic mushroom. room. <laughs> when you miss your friend, you just eat it, and <laughs> everything I am will happen. Of, I'm afraid of the neural interface. It scares me. That's scary. It it seems like 
the entire the the reason like our soul or something will be kind of being manipulated or controlled. Well, I think it's very important that we have an air gap between our brain and everything else. You know that there's imagine yeah of of advertising inside it and kind of ask you to buy something and you thought it's me or. Or someone else asked you to buy. You couldn't. Or hackers, hackers come up with a virus <laughs> transmitted through the neural interface or something like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, interesting. Uh, okay, so another one is CS50 will integrate artificial intelligence into course instruction. Wow, so artificial intelligence is going to be our teacher. So, uh, this one is very interesting. So, uh, this is CS50. Uh, through uh, the, yeah, Harvard. Harvard is going to launch their uh, course called Computer Science 50. And it will be taught by art- artificial intelligence. Okay, so if you want to see who's your instructor, instructor uh, is very authoritative and very, um, yeah, like trustworthy. <laughs> I love it. It's official. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I don't know. It's that just like a, it's so... <laughs> I, I, when I grew up, we had cats, and I'll tell you that is one scary looking cat. <laughs> that is the um, the uncanny, the uncanny version of a cat. Yeah, I think I I don't know. I think there might be some cuter cat, but it just strikes me that hey, Harvard, right? And CS fifty sounds like oh, I want to. I'm looking forward, like my my brain will be like, oh, a robot and teaching, right? Those stereotypes, but it's a cat. Yeah, I feel like, wow, it's very friendly. And uh, yeah, okay. So um, so this CS50 will start teaching kind of like uh, uh, both kind of experiment, both uh, GPT 3.5 and GPT-4 models. So... According to my understanding that GPT, those those two ver- between those two versions, it has the source. Yeah, where, where those source come from and also image generation and all other cool stuff. For example, you can draw an outline and it will do the, the coding for you for a website. So those, yeah, very, very interesting things. And well, uh, yeah, go ahead. I think something that's going to become universal in education, and I, mm. of course, Sarah is working on this. I don't know if they've got it out yet, but um, mm. this could apply to your academy as well. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about maybe extra. I'm so glad that Extrality Academy is not XR Academy. Yeah. Because XR Academy now, if you see all the, all the hint, eh? Where is my my LinkedIn? Oh, all the hint of the future probably has said the reason why you see like a headset has been a long time and it's never been popular why it's too heavy right and people get dizzy and we just too too ancient animal we couldn't really you know um, be in that types of settings for too long so you see wearable plant sensors it's not even even a device that is, you know, the, the hand-mounted device is not even like that. Maybe some, um, yeah, some, some small things maybe 
I don't know what that is. I, I have a hard time picturing what wearable plant sensors are. You have I, a, I, I saw is the agriculture. Yeah, but what what is the wearable plant? Wearable on the plant or wearable on you or? Mm. I guess it's on the plant. I, I, I think I, on the plant. For example, like uh, we can have some. I don't know. Every tree, there's a health belt or something, or some weird sensors, or I don't know where. Maybe it plugs into your Neuralink, and it yeah. There's a little like uh, belt that goes on each of your plants, and they tell you they they talk to you during the day, and say, "Oh, it's I like the sun," or <laughs> "I'm dry." Come and walk. <laughs> yeah, and. Later on, you fall in love with your plant and you marry your, your tree. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. fall in love with your plant's chatbot. <laughs> yeah, it's like a... Your plant um... says, leave your wife. <laughs> oh my God. This, this is I'm going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I, I can produce oxygen for you, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Can, you, can your wife produce oxygen? <laughs> no, she can't do that. Yeah, when, when when you see the list, there's no XR. And I do think that you see XR stuff is very chunky. And I do agree that maybe the device or something can somehow maybe projection mapping instead of hand-mounted device or I don't know, so something that it's not even in the list. So uh, let's go back to now this cat. Um, yeah. Maybe we can do more like, uh, I mean, X-Ready Academy later on all the prototype instead of following the train, doing bunch of Vision Pro that everybody is doing and everybody is trying to learn it. Maybe we can do something totally different, which is how can we minimize the pixels we use for each prototype. Well, I, I think you definitely should train your own chatbot on all of your educational content. And mm. so like um, right now you're saying if people have questions, they can mm. schedule a, a meeting with an expert or something. Use the chatbot to answer questions and it will say something like, oh, okay. The answer to your question uh, is this but if you want more information uh you know check out our such and such video on, on, on this and and plus we have two other videos that they contain related information and yeah. um, i i think that would be very helpful i i think for all these education systems and i know they're all looking at it right now is to train mm -hmm. large language models on their educational content and um in fact you might be able to have it generate an entire class based on mm. that. Yeah, and what I'm thinking is that, do you know how to get all those large language model and how, how to create, it? yeah, how to create a chatbot and feed them with my my content? How, how to a, do that? I think uh, I would start by looking at Hugging Face and because I know there's a lot of um, oh, open wow. source models for all kinds of things there. Mm. Yeah. What is oh. that? Hugging, hugging chat, sorry. Hugging, hugging chat. Well, I would just go to hug hugging face. If you hug. do, if you go into Google and you say site colon 
huggingface.com space and then type this chat box. Well, I would say space chatbot. Ah, oh, oh, that's Google for you. You know, I have to say, I've been using increasingly been using face. Yeah, I've increasingly been using DuckDuckGo okay. and um and which is powered by Bing, which mm. pays attention to my keywords. Google mm. is not paying attention to my keywords. And the results that it lists are often so useless because mm. it, it doesn't pay attention to my keywords. But it, it, it kind of prioritizes people who pay, right? Pay? Pay, pay, pay the the rank of the the advertised fee to pay the keywords to go up. I, I well, I maybe maybe that's what it's doing, but I don't like that. I, mm. I don't like that it ignores my keywords because mm. it just wastes my time. So yeah. if I go duck, duck, go and type in a search phrase, often it will give me a lot of results that I can't find through Google mm. uh, because Google is ignoring my keywords. So if you're listening, Google, fix mm. your search engine. Yeah. So, so, okay. So this, for example, like if I kind of look up this and maybe hugging, hugging face, how to use hugging face to create a large language model, uh, Chepa, <laughs> maybe find or, or do the search on Do the search on DuckDuckGo or Bing or something like that. You may get much better results. But okay, um, building custom tools. Uh, that's a YouTube video. Hmm. Two hundred people like should be fine. I don't know if those likes are not. Bots. I don't know if it's what you're looking for, hmm. but um, yeah, I I, I do like to to try those interesting things. But I I think that's where you'll find some of the things that you're looking for is on hugging face. Hmm. Uh, I might Hugging use a face. different search engine, but um, hmm. uh, you know, it's great to be able to bring the um, large language model in-house. Hmm. I mean, post it on an external drive and hmm. uh, and then query it from your own computer. Hmm. Uh, should, then, should I buy other servers? You know, like a, a lot of like a. Uh, data center they have service and which has you know reavers to quote well, down if you're an enterprise you probably already have your own servers oh. or you might host it on aws or something yeah yeah aws so that way you still have some of your servers in, in 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 amazon yeah you have your own you have your own you have servers working for you within aws yeah. so they're not sharing the data with some other big company hopefully and mm. uh, and then you can maintain your your company private information. Mm, how about this? How to make a chatbot with Hugging Face ML model? There you go. That might work. That might work. And it's only, I thought it's only 15 seconds. I don't think it's that easy. Oh, that's the ad. Oh, okay. 30, yeah, it, it says 15. That Maybe that's just the ad. I don't know. So many ads. Oh, only one hour? Oh, Only okay, one hour you can you can create that one. I think I like to to like things because it means that I I came here before. So it's kind of like my bookmark. Yeah. yeah. So wow. So if I do this, 
Do you think this is legit? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk that only if you're a company who has $100 billion to spend making a large language model, can you do this? No, that's not true. That's because mm -hmm. they are going over the entire web. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to do that. You have your own curated set of data mm -hmm. and you just go through that. So, for example, your instructional videos, um, depending on where you hosted them and so forth, uh, you may already have a uh, uh, the text of that entire video that you could run through your large language model. If you don't already have the text, then there are plenty of apps and so forth that will listen to a, a video and uh, create the text transcript for you. Uh, and so you can feed all that into a large language model. And that's just an incredible thing to have from an educational standpoint. So mm -hmm. I think it's a wonderful thing. And for anything yeah. you posted on YouTube, you've already got mm -hmm. uh, the the text from that. So yeah, I mean, sitting there waiting for you to use it. Yeah, I mean, we have a huge amount of content. If you see how yes. many, yeah, we have three hundred eighty-two videos and one point six k. The reason why we didn't have crazy amount of subscriber is first, I didn't buy ads. Yeah. I didn't specifically do advertising uh, for all the videos, but I can see the entire possibilities, for example, our news feed, right? And all those interesting things, we can definitely uh, train the bot to be more um, uh, educational, I know tellers yeah. Go you've ahead. got a lot of content sort of behind the firewall. And so that mm -hmm. isn't on YouTube. So you could train on that. And I think that is just a huge resource if you can do yeah. that. <clears throat> yeah. And also what I'm thinking is that for X Reality Academy, I know I'm keep switching my mind uh every single day, but I do think. There are something, there's something inside human, this chatbot, and also um, uh, the, 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 this list. I think it tells us that there's a reason why XR is not really a thing that will be as big as what we thought, but it will build a foundation for it. But the, the, the thing that we build might, might just a step to reach to another level, which is flourish. I, Our I think, XR is just a, a step stones and it's not the destination. Yeah, I think that what happens is you have these waves of technology that, that go through society over and over mm -hmm. again. And we've had 3D waves over and over again. We've had virtual reality waves over and over again. And, you know, this happens in all kinds of areas. For example, string theory. Uh, mm. You know, string theory used to be the big deal. It was mm. sort of the big hype of physics. Yeah. Was you heard anyone talk about string theory. That was one of those waves. And so um, what happens is each time you have a wave, mm. there are certain things that there's a lot of hype associated with the wave. And, you know, the, the, the hype sort of subsides, but there are a lot of things get, that get left behind that ended up being useful and those persist over time. And so for augmented reality, we've 
we're seeing sort of a double wave now. I think the the ProVision device from Apple is creating a secondary wave. Um, but um, we've already had the websites that keep track of AR applications that are in use in enterprise. There is all kinds of AR application in enterprise right now that's being used that people are spending money on. So yeah. uh, I, I, I think there's always stuff that sticks around from the wave and that's useful and that mm. people have to spend money on and people have to develop and so forth. And yeah. so there's always that usefulness to these types of things. Yeah, I do think, for example, like a, um, NFT, uh, the, the boring ad, that right? <laughs> that's a wave. And also the real estate in, you know, the the small hexagon in Mars in virtual hopefully space. You hopefully you didn't buy any. Yeah, I remember I want to kind of buy a little turf and probably, you know, host. Did some, you or some did movie. I talk you out of that? I think everybody. Everybody <laughs> talked you out of it. Just say, don't wait, wait, don't spend too much time on those. But I don't know. I just like to see. And doggy, right? Even Elon Musk is kind of like, hey, promote big promoter, but at the end, Tesla is stopping using the uh, Bitcoin yeah, or whatever. Yeah, those yeah, those payment. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see all those wave up and down, and now is the hyper of XR just because Apple joined the game and it makes wow. it so big deal. And I remember today I I listened to WSJ. It seems like some investors kind of analyze uh, analytics talks about Apple Vision Pro device. He mentioned that the Vision Pro won't generate incomes or revenues because Apple right now is more than three trillion dollars, which is yeah, uh, yeah, a, a giant one which can probably conquer Mars or something. Um, yeah, so the interesting thing is that, um, yeah, Vision Pro, they just kind of test things out. But I think at the end, that device will be thinner, smaller, or even just a, a small projecting projector things somewhere and not really intrusive to just well, right in front of your eye. That, yeah. That's how it started. I think. Um, yeah. Like computer, are, right? Well, if yeah. the rumors are correct, Tim Cook originally envisioned something like this. And, you know, they said, well, we, we basically can't do that yet. Mm. And, and so here's this more of a headset type of device. And um, so I think it started out like that. And that's what they wanted. And that's yeah. what they'll end up with eventually. But um, yeah. it's quite there just now. Yeah, so uh, the other thing is, what will AI do to your job? Take a look of what it's already doing to coders. Okay, so in short, AI definitely will change the industry, but it will take out the mediocre or middle, uh, media. Uh, let me see where is that lot. Yeah, cause skill-based technical change. So. Pretty much if you are a high-skilled person, which is kind of in the middle skilled, if you if there's a, a job and you are happen to be the middle one, the skill set, it's a very highly chance that you got layoff. 
So you see the layoff hype and also um, the current shutdown in venture capital investing due to uh, all those uh, things. So um, if I were an investor and my company were thinking about hiring hundreds of engineers, I would say, well, maybe instead you can use AI to be more productive. So um, engineer, this job will be, I mean, only the a few can kind of top few can kind of make a decision or using a chatbot to accomplish before. You know, yeah. I have to say something about this. I'm an engineer. Mm -hmm. And um, you have to have people who invent the world, who understand mm -hmm. how the world works. Yeah. And these chatbots are not going to, the way the state of the technology right now is such that these chatbots are not going to invent the world. They're not going to uh, that by themselves advance technology. They, mm -hmm. I, I view them as a tool. And uh, if you're an engineer or whatnot, you know, you can use that as a tool. You can use it to help speed up coding and so forth. But um, it's not the whole enchilada. It's not the whole solution. And mm -hmm. so um, I, I think that... Um, there's a lot of hype where people think, well, it's just taking over everything. It's not, it can't do everything. And, and so um, we still need people who, you know, know how to create things, know how things work, know, know how to advance technologies and so forth. And um, the state of AI is such that it can't do that on its own at this point. I think eventually it will. And, yeah. and that's when things start to get scary, but it's, it's not near that right yeah. now. Yeah, it also will be a lost generation of early career uh, developers. For example, uh, there well, there are a lot of like boot camps uh, helping before helping uh, students or early uh, career person who are seeking for a certain skills or enter to the industry. For example, Meta has some boot camps. Uh, for engineers who join that bootcamp and kind of almost guaranteed to get the, the job in Meta or something if you pass. But uh, if AI can automate the, the, the those uh, entry-level job, uh, Jim, according to your thinking, what, what, what do you see those people can? Well, for example, we had, I, I, you know, worked at a big company. I was an engineer there and um, we had a lot of engineers and we had this one engineer. I think we talked about something like this earlier. Mm. Uh, we had this one engineer who lived in his office, it turned out. Mm. And um, uh, he wasn't the greatest engineer. And uh, I had to have someone code some software for me while I was doing other things. And, and, and so they said, well, Jim, we got so-and-so who lives in his office. Who's going to do the coding for you? And I thought, I, you know, I've heard a lot of bad things about him. And, and, and they said, well, yeah, he's, but he's available. So he did the coding for me. I had to redo all of it myself. Yeah. And so I think people like him that you can probably replace pretty easily. We eventually fired him, but um, <laughs> thank goodness. But um <clears throat> You know, people like that, you can easily replace. So so the deadwood, you are going to need the deadwood. 
Mm. Uh, and so so um, everything becomes so lean, right? So lean, so automation, and only I I feel so. I mean, Biden wants to eliminate uh, the the loan, the debt from college debt, right? The loan from college loan, and the students, uh, they 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 can uh, reduce or get rid of the loans. Um, I don't want to do that, and I do think that hey, if before college student after we graduate, I can tell you that after people graduate from our center. We were dreaming about being an art director after graduate, you know, because we got trained by that type. Of, I know this sounds stupid, and 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 now I know what how how stupid I was. But that was our dream, so positive. We are so confident about our skills, and we feel like the 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 world is rainbow and unicorn. But nowadays, the college student when they were in college, they feel panic. What am I going to do? Uh, they they start going to boot camp, start volunteering, start uh, networking, and trying to get in the door. And a lot of people ended up to stay at home and couldn't figure out what's next. Well, I think there's a number of factors <clears throat> involved in all this. One <clears throat> is the colleges; they're slow to respond to things, and so. Um, they're slow to change their educational programs, their course list and all that stuff mm -hmm. to accommodate new things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one issue. Mm -hmm. I think also with the era of online education, they've really not kept up with the times. They're just way too expensive. The marginal mm -hmm. cost for adding an additional student, mm -hmm. and you know all about this because you have your own academy. The yeah. marginal cost for adding an additional student is almost nothing. Yeah, so, it's it's people, the it's kind of um doing the drug research. If it, it takes a lot of time just to 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 find the cure or something the the system, but uh, once it starts selling, the production fee is almost yeah, zero. Yeah, yeah, So I think that um, I don't know how this has been allowed, but the schools are just cleaning up on the poor students. The students come in, get, get their degree, and they come out, and they have like life-changing debt hanging over Yes, them. yes. It's horrible. It should not be happening. Yeah. And so, so I think they need to be able to take care of, take advantage of the economies of online learning and so forth, mm -hmm. and um, reduce the tuitions. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe there's a government role that should be taken in this. And, um, that needs to be improved. We shouldn't have the debt, this crippling debt from college in the first place. So by forgiving the debt, you're sort of treating the symptoms versus the cause. Yes. I think the true we need to treat the cause. Yes. And I, I agree, it's it's a horrible thing mm -hmm. that these students graduate and then have this incredible debt. I think yeah. that's just horrible. Gen and, Z, Gen Z, according to research, is the most entrepreneurial era. Why? Because Gen Z or even younger, their parents were us, the millennials. And you see the our previous generation parents who treat us very nice and we live in an era where everything is so positive and we, we were spoiled. We had a lovely childhood. Everything was abundant. And when we are in the middle age or 
older, we kind of mess up the entire thing. And the young kids is kind of like when they grow up, they start seeing that, oh, my parents love, you know, Instagram things and not really <laughs> putting too much savings and taking care of them. So they, when they were young, as far as I know, a lot of students, high school, college, they need to take a bunch of jobs, start working compared to us. Our parents feed us, but uh, we didn't, we, we, we just take care of ourselves. We love the experience. And the, the kids, they just having a bunch of jobs and they become so entrepreneur because after they graduate, there's no job for them. We see the, all the AI things. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that needs to be, the whole issue with college and college expenses need to be addressed on a number of levels. Mm -hmm. And I just, I'd really like to see the government maybe address the 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 cause. Do, do, do you think the government really serves a function or? They we... can serve a function if they want to. <laughs> if they don't want to, if they want to be dysfunctional, then they don't. And and so uh, I I I do trust the tech founders or uh, the the enterprise or founders more or myself more than government. I feel like they are they care about their votes and whether. Well, I think one of the problems is that politicians are for the most part lawyers, mm. and um, I've worked with a lot of lawyers. Mm. And lawyers create more problems than they solve. <laughs> so the lawyers, when they see the turns, they all see, oh, don't get into this loophole, 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 loophole. Yeah. When, when, for example, if you have a contract that you're trying to create to work with someone else, the lawyers are fabulous at finding all the possible things that can go wrong with that contract. That's their job. That's what they have to do. Hmm. And that's very useful to know. Hmm. But as the the business person on each mm -hmm. side of that contract, mm -hmm. you have to say to yourself, yes, I realize there's potential problems here, here, and here in the contract, but I have to make certain compromises in order to move forward and do yeah, business. Yeah, like, like a rental agreement, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, sometimes it's like, oh, I need to make sure nothing was broken or I need to pay off or like some, some weird things that need to be compromised in order to... Get yeah, so one of, one of my principles is that never use a lawyer as your negotiator. There, there are some lawyers who are gifted negotiators, but for the most part, mm -hmm. they will just torpedo any sort of negotiation. And mm -hmm. instead of having a, a, a business partnership, you'll just have a huge legal bill. And, and so um, <laughs> that's the problem with that kind of thing. But I think there are problem solvers engineers are problem solvers and so mm -hmm. forth and mm -hmm. then there are lawyers who are sort of problem creators and and so the the, the elected politicians are mainly lawyers so what are you going to get you're going to get more problems and and yeah. so so i think we need to we need more problem solvers in government and we need more solutions from government and, and instead of sort of i agree these people have bad debts and it would be nice to help them out but I think you also need to address the core source of the problem, which is these huge college tuitions, which should not be happening. Yeah. So, so what 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 I think is that, yeah. I mean, you see Gen Z. So, 
as for Extraality Academy. So every time when I see the news, I always treat this as a out, out of box for time for me to rethink using first principles of thinking about what can I do better? Uh, what, how, how, how can I help? So think about this. Maybe my next tutorials or my entire message can change to how can we create a, maybe a portal type, not necessarily using whatever platform, but we convey types of thinking that maybe you see like a human, right? Oh, there's a need, maybe, okay. So maybe a conference call. How can we reduce steps and pixels if you want to take a call with somebody? We wanna reduce the square pixels. That is unnatural in the real world. Or something, or there's a flow that we are trying to avoid or trying to convey an idea that we don't need a big screen. <laughs> Which is totally uh, against my, my 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 background. My background is creating a few few million screens every day. Yeah. Well, and my background is essentially computer Only. vision, computer vision and 3D imaging. So hmm. everything I do involves screens. But um hmm. uh I, I I don't know. I don't know exactly. <laughs> I do have some su suggestions for your academy. Mm -hmm. we, we can go over offline after oh, this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let me, yeah. So 